WRFI Community Radio News is made possible by listeners like you. Help us tell important stories about your community. Head to wrfi.org slash donate. This is Which Way Forward? Redefining Public Safety. A radio project from WRFI News, the Ithaca Voice, and the Ithaca College Park Scholars. will not accomplish anything. Defunding the police is only going to lead to more widespread crime. I want to let the world know that ain't going to stop us. We are going to continue to stay diligent and vigilant about Black Lives Matter. Around the nation, protesters have called for police departments to be defunded or reformed following the killings of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, and countless other black and brown people at the hands of law enforcement. But here in Tompkins County, what's the best solution to reimagining public safety policies that will both foster fairness and trust within each community regarding law enforcement? WRFI Community Radio, The Ithaca Voice and the Ithaca College Park Scholars join together to try and answer this question in our new radio project, Which Way Forward? Redefining Public Safety. In today's piece, our team of reporters dive into law enforcement policies concerning excessive force and how that's played out on a local level in the protests for racial justice that have emerged since May 2020. Ithaca College Park Scholars Maya Noah and Mathilde Bechet co-reported this episode. First, we'll rewind back to 2014, where civil unrest erupted when Mike Brown, an unarmed young black man, was shot to death by a police officer in Ferguson, Missouri. When Mike Brown got killed, that really changed so much. Like that really changed my life and so many of our lives. And that was it for me. Like I was in St. Louis. Uh, I'll never forget Mike Brown uh, being killed by the Ferguson protest. That's DeRay McKesson. He is an activist and co-founder of the national project Campaign Zero, which is a part of the nonprofit 501C3 organization, We the Protesters. I said that I was tear gas, and it, ever since then, it really changed everything for me. In 2015, we were trying to figure out, okay, We know this is a big problem. How do we end it? How do we stop the problem? And that's where Campaign Zero came up with this idea of like, how do we stop the problem, right? Uh, And this is our way to do it. 
Campaign Zero is an organization that analyzes police practices across the country and conducts research to identify effective solutions to end police violence. The organization also provides technical assistance to organizers leading police accountability campaigns. We started Campaign Zero in 2013 with this idea that we can live in a world where the police don't kill anybody, which is why we're called Campaign Zero. We believe we can get to zero in this lifetime. Campaign Zero also aims to bring about the development of model legislation and advocacy to end police violence nationwide. So we focus on the policies, practices, and laws, mostly structural things that will actually end police violence in the U.S. Two of the biggest levers we, we know now are use of force policies. So there are policies in every community by which um, officers can use force. And we rolled out a campaign called AK Wait that helps to solidify like what a, a good version of those should be that has community input and people sort of pushing. And then police union contracts matter a lot uh, or officer bill of rights or a set of laws and policies and practices that almost guarantee that officers won't be held accountable. The eight can't wait policies include banning chokeholds, strangleholds, and shooting at moving vehicles, as well as requiring de-escalation, warning before shooting, exhausting all alternatives before shooting, and more comprehensive reporting. They also include clear policy restrictions on the use of police weapons and tactics and the duty to intervene. These tactics are all in use at the Ithaca Police Department. Compared to conventional policing 10, 20 years ago, the IPD operates differently now. Here's IPD Chief Dennis Nayer's take. We want to have policies that we can control the situation and, and in the end, that we use the least restrictive means possible, whether it's to affect an arrest or to calm down a situation. And I, mean, I think this really spells it out extremely clear. And I think the value is, too, that when agencies embody these principles, they have uh, reductions in use of force and they have reductions in complaints and they have reduction in injuries. And I think that's really where there's tremendous value. We also sat down with Tompkins County Sheriff Derek Osborne to hear how the sheriff's office has revised and strengthened its use of force policies. I took office uh, January 1st of 2019, so I'm just coming to the end of my second year of my first term. Part of that was uh, revamping all our policies to include our use of force policies. We've actually worked with Cornell to create an online uh, complaint form that is translated into 11 different languages. Osborne discussed the process the Tompkins County Sheriff's Office goes through when they receive a complaint from the community regarding the use of force. Once that complaint is received, it's thoroughly investigated. We do everything we can. We interview all parties involved, including the deputy that was named, and try to come to some determination and some understanding of what facts are present and if we can come up with a determination if it's a sustained complaint, non-sustained, uh, completely unfounded. Again, despite efforts by local law enforcement agencies to curb excessive force and violence at the hands of officers, use of force incidents continue to happen here. In Ithaca, rally-goers weren't met with much pushback from police until October 22nd. That night, about 40 people protested the arrest of Messiah Saunders, a young black man who had been arrested following a press conference conducted by Congressman Tom Reed. <laughs> I very much retreated inside of myself while I was just in there chained to a bench that I couldn't like even recline on. Um, and I didn't really get any sleep that night. 
like I was up until four or five a.m. just like mind racing, like body making weird shake stuff. Right? Not even close to what some people experience with the police, but it was still terrible and dehumanizing. That's the voice of Genevieve Rand, one frequent protester in the numerous racial justice rallies that have taken place in Ithaca over the past several months. She was arrested outside of police headquarters after police accused her of blocking their vehicle. Although police did tell her to move, she asserts that police did not tell her that she was obstructing anything before arresting her. You need to get out of my way. Let's get him released first. Let's arrest him. He's obstructing. You're under arrest. All right. Step back. Right now. This is ridiculous. Jen is transgender. She has seen and heard about members of the transgender community being misgendered. I've seen a police misgender other people when they arrested a minor a few weeks ago who was a trans person. Um, they misgendered that person and releases to news sources when since they're a minor you're not supposed to release their gender at all so i knew that this was an issue with the police and being someone who's like in the transgender community i've heard a lot about how you know when you go to prison or go to jail or whatever like trans people are often put in the wrong prison or jail which like especially for trans women is a huge risk um and i of course knew that but i've never been in prison and even Vincent was arresting me, I was not. I didn't have any expectation that I was going to end up in prison that day. A petition has been ongoing calling for the resignation of Ithaca's Deputy Chief of Police, Vincent Monticello. Along with a petition calling for Monticello's resignation, a complaint about Jen's misgendering was filed with the Community Police Board, or CPB. The resulting report was released on January 21, 2021 and summarized that there was no malintent on Monticello's part in misgendering Jen. The CPB report also found that in Saunders' arrest, they did not agree with complaints that Monticello escalated the situation and displayed explicit racial bias. While Rand was in the station, protesters remained with arms linked. Then police formed a line and advanced on the protesters, demanded them to step back, and then released pepper spray directed at the group. Back up! Back up, please! In a statement following this protest, police claimed that the pepper spray was intentionally aimed at the ground. However, numerous videos taken by protesters and two Ithaca Voice reporters disproved this claim. On January 21st, 2021, the city of Ithaca released 51 police body camera videos of the day's protests to the public. Mayor Myrick says he attempted to enlist the New York State Attorney General's office to review police conduct on that day. The Attorney General's office declined, citing personnel shortages, and the matter was not within its jurisdiction. The incident is still under review by the Community Police Board. In his press release, Mayor Myrick spoke to the use of pepper spray aimed at protesters that day, stating, quote, In the meantime, having reviewed all this material, I believe the rhetoric and behavior of some of the protesters was dangerously unproductive and intended to provoke violence from onlookers, end quote. The police body camera footage was released three months after the incident. 
Jen adds the importance of the media in covering what happens at these protests as a firsthand account. As painful and traumatizing as it is to experience the stuff, the silver lining of it is that it gives people an opportunity to see firsthand on camera from news organizations what kind of behaviors and attitudes police employ against the people who they want to criminalize. Black Lives Matter protests have been happening on the Commons every Sunday at 2 p.m. since June, as some of these protests Back the Blue counterparts have been present to show support for police. On October 16, 2020, a rally in support of Donald Trump was held outside the Tompkins County Republican office on North Meadow Street in Ithaca. Counter-protesters with the Ithaca chapter of the Democratic Socialists of America showed up in response. The confrontations between both sides escalated, ending with two injuries and the burning of paraphernalia supporting Trump. The Ithaca Voice reports that the Ithaca Police Department and the Tompkins County Sheriff's Office were present for a short period of time. According to the article, quote, things were calm while the police were there, yet when they soon departed, the scene turned heated again, end quote. I support black lives. I don't think anybody could say they, they don't. Tompkins County Sheriff Derek Osborne. I think it's a, a, a noble cause. I, I, I'm for them. I understand. Unfortunately, I think there's always, you know, when there's rallies or, or protests, there's always a handful of people that really take away the meaning from that because they just kind of cross the line and, and maybe do violent acts and things like that. The anti-racist festival against hate took place on Saturday, October 24th. As a counter-response to the Back the Blue right-wing rally that was scheduled for that same afternoon, notably this rally had the largest law enforcement presence due to the clashes between the two groups outside of Tompkins Republicans headquarters. Officers from Ithaca Police, New York State Police, and the Tompkins County Sheriff's Office were all on the scene. City and county officials issued a statement to the community not to attend the event out of concern for possible violence. Osborne was one of the leaders who signed on to the letter. I'm smart enough not to blame it on the, the whole movement when you get a handful of people doing things they shouldn't. Unfortunately, I just think it detracts from it a, a little bit. Uh, so I support Black Lives. Um, and I, as far as back to blue, I mean, we appreciate that people want to support us, um, supposedly in support of police officers. It concerns me when they uh, seem to bring in a component of uh, back to blue is somehow tied to a Trump rally. Uh, not all police officers support Trump. I, I'm a Democrat, for starters. I don't know why they have to bring the two in together. I think that's misleading. In Ithaca, rallies such as Back the Blue that are meant to support law enforcement are creating more work for local law enforcement agencies. Osborne elaborates further. If they're supporting us, all they're doing is making me have to work on a Saturday. I don't find that uh, supporting. And on the other side, the people that may be calling to defund the police, uh, they're not backing down either. And they, they're vowing they're going to be wherever the back the blue people are going to be. And that's not defunding us. That's that's inflating our budget, costing us a lot of overtime and requiring a lot of extra police presence. So Media coverage has also played a role in shaping the narrative around police brutality, especially following the death of George Floyd. According to the Pew Research Center, most U.S. adults, 57%, say news organizations have done a good or excellent job compared with 42% who give the news media an only fair or poor assessment with respect to the coverage of the demonstrations following Floyd's death. 
This brings into question the impact of news organizations in the fight toward justice and equality. DeRay also shares his thoughts on media coverage of George Floyd's death, delving into the work that must be accomplished while the news is still fresh. No story lasts forever. That's like what we gotta just know. One day we won't be the story anymore. One day the protests will be old news to people, right? So we gotta try and get as much done in this window where this is the big conversation as we possibly can. Like we gotta like fight, scream, push. Rand challenges the notion of Ithaca as a paradise community, speaking about how some may view Ithaca as an exception to the problem, when in fact police here are no different than police in other cities across the country. And I think what a lot of people don't understand is that police have been treating the black community this way without a spotlight on it for longer than any of us have been alive. And the media doesn't, isn't as interested in covering that and it's, it's, it's not viewed as something that's as newsworthy because it's basically just normalized. Today's episode was co-reported by Ithaca College Park Scholars Maya Noah and Mathilde Bechet. Jay Bradley edited today's episode, and sound design was by me, Michaela Savitt. Music by Blue Dot Sessions, and additional sound thanks to Matt Butler. Skyler Eagle helped with script editing. The series is directed and executive produced by Anna Lamb and me. Special thanks to contributors Joanne Izbicki, Fred Balfour, Pamela Tan, Godfrey Simmons, and Tom Pudney for helping to develop the project, and to WRFI General Manager Felix Teitelbaum and Assistant General Manager Peter Champelli for their support. Which Way Forward Redefining Public Safety is a production of WRFI News, The Ithaca Voice, and the Ithaca College Park Scholars, with funding from Engaged Cornell. Two, three. W R F I. <laughs>